Hello, everyone. My name is Richard Bass. I'm CEO of WBN, We Belong Network. We're here today to discuss the government stimulus programs for small businesses and investment opportunities. And we have some unique and very knowledgeable Wendell. Of course. Uh, today, we actually have the pleasure to have Jamie Sanders back again, once more in the show. So thank you, Jamie. And Great Craig, to be here. Abarum. And I, before I even talk about more about you guys, just introduce yourself so people know what you do and who you are. Here you go. All right. Um, I'm Kweku Eberum. I am a tax accountant in New Jersey. I'm originally from Ghana, West Africa. I am very glad to be um, living and working in this amazing country. I hope that my thoughts and my uh, contributions to this conversation goes a long way. Thank you. Mr. Sanders. Yes, uh, my name is Jamie Sanders. Um, my background is mortgage banking. I also deal with private investment banking. Um, you know, and basically I, I, I work as a catalyst in the community and I work with a lot of different groups um, to streamline resources and direct resources to uh, the community so that way we can have better access. But um, my background is banking, but um, you know, uh, my, my passion is community. So, I mean, banking too, but you know, I love y'all more. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll take it all, okay? Yes. <laughs> and let me introduce my co-host, Wendell Solano. Wendell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I'm fortunate to be the creative director for We Below Network, and uh, I, I love writing and uh, actually doing scripts for the program and being with amazing people like with all of you guys and giving a chance to educate our people and also to learn through the show. There you go. Uh, knowledge is key. Information is very, very important. And with that, uh, the, the, the topic of our uh, discussion today is the government stimulus programs for small businesses and investment opportunities. If you plan to fail, if, if you plan for fail or lack of counsel, but with many advisors, you can succeed. The government understands the importance of small businesses on what do they need to survive the pandemic. They have interjected funds, $48.4 billion of grants and loans to keep businesses alive. Big corporations generally have an experienced team to advise them on how to get the first pick, uh, uh, the first bite in the cookie jar, leaving the smaller fish to fight for what remains. As the government decided to process loans on a first-come, first-served basis. Today, our focus is to educate business owners on how to navigate their way to secure funding for their businesses to remain in business, funding for their business to, I'm sorry, for their business to remain in business and advise veterans on what is worth investing in today's market. So with us tonight, we will discuss these topics and we'll take it from there, okay? Sounds good. So, Wendell, you wanna start us off with our first question? Yeah, definitely, and uh, either of you that are knowledgeable on this is, uh, <laughs> what is a government stimulus program? Because a lot of our audience does not understand that. Oh, uh, we need two answers, though, because <laughs> both of them got two different answers, watch. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, I'll go first. Uh, the government um, stimulus package was actually 
introduced uh, because of this global pandemic that we've all been going through. And basically, it started off with two parts, the EIDL loans, which were uh, for, uh, no, I'm going to break them into two. We know about the individual stimulus package. Now we're going to talk about the business package, right? Right. Okay, so the EIDL was uh, the economic injury uh, disaster loan, and then it was the PPP loan, which is now the most popular one. And the purpose of this loan was really to drive the economy because everything had come to a stop still, a, a, a standstill. So I could go in depth as to what each one of those loans mean, but you know, to sum it all up for now, it's really uh, money that a business is supposed to use to continue functioning as a business. In other words, you get to pay your uh, employees, you get to pay your rent, you get to pay interest on your mortgage loans for your business and supplies and so on and so forth so that you can continue operating as a business. That's the bottom line of what this uh, stimulus is for. Not to go to the dealership. <laughs> <laughs> you seem like you know something. Well, like like uh, Mr. Quaco uh, uh, um, expressed, there um, there's of course um, the EIDL, um, which uh, and then they'll have the PPP. Um, and the, and the, the primary difference that I've um, I've uh, been able to pinpoint is the the monetary designation. One of them, uh, the EIDL, um, there's a cap of two million, um, whereas the PPP, the cap is ten million. Um, uh, also, when it re when it relates to being forgivable, the PPP can totally be forgiven, and um, and uh, the EIDL can you know, only $10,000 from what I understand of that particular um, assistance can be forgiven, but the rest of it has to be uh, uh, paid back, if I'm not mistaken, um, quickly, you know? And then also the, you know, with the EIDL, there can be collateral um, requirements, whereas with the PPP, there are no collateral requirements. And then there's differences in the credit check where EIDL, you have a credit check involved, PPP, there's no credit check. And there's a few other differences, but we don't want to get too in-depth, you know, for, um, you know, just to be mindful of time. Right. Okay. Um, well, that's, that's a great start. But um, let me say this. Uh, as a small business owner myself, how does the government stimulus package work and how does it benefit us as owners? Take you first, Jamie. Well, what it does is it allows you to continue to operate and not only to operate as a business, but to also keep uh, your employees on payroll. So it gives you a temporary cushion. Um, it's not a permanent remedy for what we're experiencing, but it does give you, you know, um, you know, it depends on what program that you go with, but anywhere from, uh, I believe, four months to six months, uh, you know, of a cushion. And it differs depending if you're a new applicant. It like, you know, for instance, if you just recently applied for a loan, now the loan payments are due. 
So what this, uh, what this allows you to do is um, offset your loan payments so that way you don't have to worry about the overhead, the major overhead of your business. So it allows you to keep your doors open. So um, it's very beneficial in that way. And they also have short-term programs where they allow quick access to, to small amounts of money for businesses if you, need, if you have an emergency. So it's, and, it, and it's great in that sense. And then, like I said, the, most, the best part about it, if you're, if you're staying compliance, it's forgivable. If, but quick who um, spoke to me briefly about that. <laughs> if, yeah. if, I'll be the word. But um, yeah, and I, and I think that's really major for a lot of people. Okay, thanks. Same question to you, sir. Yeah, I think that at this point, the EIBL should be something that most people shouldn't be considering as much because it's temporarily on hold as of, I believe, April 16th. Um, the, the bigger focus is on the uh, PPP loans and- Oh, first of all, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we're using acronyms and we have to- Oh, okay, <laughs> so, so now the PPP, which is the Paycheck Protection Plan is available for anybody to apply for as long as they're in business, you know, they have employees or if they're self-employed, they can also apply for these loans. If they're, um, say, business owners who pay 1099 contractors can also apply for these loans. And how do they do that? They would do that. So if you don't have employees, which is the case for a lot of small businesses, the first provision that came out kind of ruled those people out and you had to have a payroll in order to apply. And that's what threw a lot of people off. But the second provision came with the capability of small businesses such as myself, where I only have a couple of employees who actually I don't pay on a payroll basis because I mostly run a seasonal business, right? Nice. So, so I was able to apply for that loan as an independent contractor, as a self-employed person, as a small business owner. And how you do that is you, if you file a Schedule C on your taxes, um, which is your profit and loss statement as a small business, your net profit for 2019, for example, if you did your taxes or haven't done them yet because it's extended to July uh, 19th, on July 15, 15 uh, 2020, yes. So you would take your net profit, which is basically the money you made minus your expenses, you know, and out of that, you would divide it by the 12 months of 2019. So let's say you made $24,000 last year, net profit, after you take out your expenses. That will leave you with $2,000 a month. That amount, you multiply by 2.5, and that gives you the amount of money that you are eligible to borrow. So it's just that simple for very, very small businesses, and it gets more complicated for businesses who have tons of employees, and there's a cap of $100,000, where if you are paying somebody over $100,000, you will have to reduce that number to 100,000 to make them qualify for the loan. Okay, Wendell? Oh, um, you know something that left me a little intrigued because it, it's definitely a, a, a program to stay afloat and survive until 
things come back to normal. Uh, my, my question is, uh, how can a small business owner access to it? Do they do they need an accountant? Uh, walk us through that, Jamie and, and Kweku, so our audience can have a better understanding of what they need to do in order to apply for these things. Well, I'll, I'll let Kweku on Kweku. One, you should have had a business active by February 15th. Preferably, ultimately, you should have a business account available. That's what your lenders are going to look at. And I would say go with the bank that you bank with. So if you're not with one of the major banks, there are lenders out there. There are tons of them, and you can find them on the SBA site. The application is very simple. It's questions that you should be able to answer if you own any type of form of a business. Once again, if you go through a major bank or a bank that you bank with, it's better because they have your records in front of them. Thank you. Jamie? Uh, well, well, like uh, Quickle indicated, you know, um, it's best that you go to an institution that you do have a relationship with because, um, you know, you're dealing with individuals and you're dealing with, you know, the underwriting. I mean, even though they have a standard, you know, you want to go where you're comfortable, where they're comfortable with you, um, so that way they can get through all the red tape. Um, and you know he's absolutely right. Um, you want to definitely go for one of the um, one of your colleagues. I mean, one of the banks that you're familiar. With. Okay. Well, we're going to take a small break right now. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to bear true faith and allegiance to help you when you're in need. To be considerate and caring, courageous and strong. To tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. For better. For worse. In sickness and in health. To love and cherish. To be your loving, faithful friend, partner, child, parent, neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran experiencing mental health challenges at maketheconnection.net. WBN Productions. Again, um, I'm Richard Bess, CEO of WBN, and um, this conversation is about the government stimulus program for small businesses and investment opportunities. Um, now, uh, as a small business owner, what are the benefits of acquiring loans or grants through the government stimulus package? Um, well, I'll I open up and I'll let um, Quick will close it. Well, basically, like we um, we touched on um, briefly earlier, the the primary benefit is the 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 fact that it can be um, dismissed, or you know, you can uh, it's, it's it's you know, it can be um, possibly. If you stay in compliance, you know you don't have to repay the loan. So I think that's the the biggest enticement, and the fact that it's money that's available during a really difficult and trying time. You know, it helps people keep uh, businesses keep their doors open. So I think it's really critical in that sense. Um, but you know, of course, um, uh, Quickle could expand on that from an accounting perspective. Yeah, is that a loan <laughs> or is it a grant? Uh, well. Well, from it's a it's a loan, and then uh, a portion of the of the um, 
the excuse me the economic it's a forgivable loan, the economic, yes it's a forgivable uh, loan, okay. right it's that a, makes it okay it's it's uh, tricky it's it's, it's a loan but it's forgivable if you stay in compliance that we will okay sir <laughs> <laughs> right. i think that um if the let's just let's say you stay out of compliance then one of the benefits for this is the low interest rate aspect of the loan because most of these loans are coming at one percent and you have six months, the six months from the origination date before uh, an initial payment is due. So that's the worst case scenario. If you don't qualify for the forgiveness and you have to pay back, at least you got six months of money to keep your business afloat. And it's at 1% interest rate, which is very hard to find for any type of business loan. Yes, absolutely. So that's Absolutely. one benefit. The other benefit is it drives the entire economy because if you're able to take some of this money and actually do what it's asking you to do, which is the pay tech protection, um, you're putting people back to work. Uh, one of the stipulations is to keep your employees on payroll at least for eight weeks after, after the origination date. You want to make sure you're doing that, and that drives the economy because now people are back to work and people are spending money again, and you can bring back people you've laid off. Okay. So that's, so, so that's the compliance part. It's just uh, keeping the workers stimulated. The main part. Right. Because it, Are there other compliances? I'm sorry. I'm just curious. <laughs> oh, okay. So in my, uh, to my understanding, right? And, and I say this because there's been, oh, this is the final provision. And then a few weeks later, it's no, no, this is the, you know, it keeps updating. So as of now, my understanding is that, you know, you want to focus on either paying your employees, paying rent, interest or mortgage, utilities, the basic things that keep the business running, most importantly, keeping your staff or your employees. Okay, great. Uh, there's also the real estate aspect of it. Now, Jamie, you were just talking about it, and I'm also a real estate uh, property owner, investor. Um, how does all of this impact us as small businesses? Because a lot of landlords aren't giant corporations. They're like, you know, they own maybe one or two pieces of property. Um, how, so how does that affect us? Well, you know, like, um quickly express, you know, as a small business owner, it depends on that. It really would, um, it really depends on what type of business structure you have. I, I you know, imagine that would impact you in a major way. Um, and depending on that structure would be, would determine how much benefit you can, you can get or return you can get, you know, um, how much of your loss you can offset because uh, it's, it's different, you know, um, when you're looking at a personal situation as opposed to a business. Now, I'm not an accountant, and um, from an accountant perspective, as a property owner, you know, I'm not uh, really sure if you would be able to qualify for any of those um, incentives, you know, but, um, but I know if you have it in a business structure, you would be able to benefit, benefit from the business end of it. Okay, so as a sole proprietor, or um, let's say uh, you are a um, 5013, C. 501c3? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how does that affect from one end to the other? 
Well, um, the churches and other types of 501c3, initially they weren't, you know, in the first round they weren't included, but they made some adjustments, adjustments um, with the next uh, stimulus, round of stimulus, and they included them so that they can take advantage of it as well. So even faith-based groups um, can capitalize on it, churches and, you know, um, organ smaller organizations. So they made it very accessible to the um, everyday common person, you know, you know that are not that they don't have uh, big staff or they don't have major uh, income as a business. Okay, um, so back to the question, sir. Back to you. How is it? How can a small business, uh, either a sole proprietor or a, uh, the five hundred one three C? I'm sorry, I got it backwards, but you know what I mean. <laughs> how how is it? Can they all be affected? What do you mean by how can they be affected? Well, so well, you can take it either way. Yes, affected, and how could um, they benefit from the package? Um, definitely, I feel that if you are not in a position to sustain your business then it can have an impact on you if the loan doesn't become forgivable because now you're going to start um, going into owing this amount of money that you have to pay back because you didn't follow the guidance of how to use the money. That's the key. If you don't use the money according to, so at the end of each um, uh, 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 loan agreement, they give you the guidance, like, you need to do this. This is the forgivable cost. Just follow those two things. And I do want to say that I noticed a lot of clients that I helped through the application process think that this thing is complicated. It's really not. It's very simple. You can just fill out the form, and if you can't, you can just ask somebody who can. If you've ever filled out uh, a job, uh, application before you should be able to pretty much fill out most part of the form and so people should not be afraid and people should not think they're too small of a business or they, they don't count or they don't have this because the provision allows for certain things to replace certain documents that that you're required to submit okay interesting uh, interesting to hear that uh, you know, a lot of the people have the perception, like you said, like they might be too small, too big, and they, they, they put that doubt. And with this, it clarifies a lot that you know. Well, I do want to clarify that if you have more than five hundred employees, it might you might be too big to qualify for oh. this. But yeah, right, right, right. Okay, that's good to know. Well, then that's that brings up another intriguing question: How does these big corporations qualify um, for the stimulus package? If they have more than five, like Amazon, uh, like big banks, big pharmaceutical companies, who reap benefits, I mean, massive money, amounts of money, <laughs> through the stimulus package. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll say that there are some exclusions to the rules that are so many. Um, it will be difficult for me to explain exactly how one would do so, but I'll give you a perfect example. So, if, say you you owned a, a holding company that had three different subsidiaries underneath you that operated as three different separate entities, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all of them had, say, 499 employees here, 499 employees here, and that. 
though the parent company is one, those three different businesses can go for the same loan up to 10 million. So that one company can actually end up with $30 million. Okay. I see the smoke coming out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and um, Quaker would be able to expand a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more, but from, you know, what I understand is there's two um, stimulus packages. There's for small businesses, then there's for larger corporations. So there's different allotments, you know, so they have a, you know, a, a, an allotment that's set aside for them because the stimulus package is over two, two trillion dollars. So when you start breaking it down, they have, um, they have it, you know, sectioned off into, you know, uh, who gets what, you know, right. but they get the big, they get the biggest cut though. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, but they, they do have something specifically for the larger corporations. Okay. I hear you. Uh, so, the, and the, how is this pandemic affecting the real estate market? And how should we um, should we start thinking about purchasing, or should we start thinking about investing in the market right about now? Well, I, it, it's a it's a great time to invest um, because the rates are very competitive, very low, and they're trying to encourage people to invest in the markets. And um, when it relates to purchasing, the, the process have actually become, you know, there's pros and cons. You know, the underwriting has become more challenging. The banks um, are pulling back a lot because the job markets, they don't know, you know, because we had a job and you made, you know, 150000 last year, right. you're not working right now, right. and they don't know if you're guaranteed to go back to work. So they're a little skittish right now. So they're pulling back um, programs. But, you know, if you're, um, if you position yourself properly, you have the, you know, qualifying, um, if you have all the qualifying elements, then this is a great time to invest. Um, there's a, a lot of money out there that's, that's circulating for investors, you know, but, you know, at the same token, the underwriting is the challenge, you know, making sure that you have the liquidity, making sure that um, you have the cash flow, you know, that's really big, you know, the credit score, yes, of course, that's, you know, the credit score is a, is a static standard, but um, you know the 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 income requirements. You know they're really paying attention to that stuff. They're really you know uh, getting ordering tax transcripts. They're getting the forty five hundred six. So they're really scrutinizing everything. But you know the rates are low, properties are cheaper. You know people are um, eager to sell in some cases. So it's a good market for investors. Okay. Cool. To, to add to that. I totally agree with um, what Jamie's saying, but I, uh, from, from the look of things, I would say if you weren't already doing investment and you didn't, you didn't live that life already, I would say you should just focus on saving. That's my opinion because we are living in the unknown. We don't even know when things will actually begin to get come back to normal and i believe that uh cash has always been kin if I, I believe that if if one would wait for a couple of more months to kind of see clearly they'll be able to see where the money should really go because there's a lot of uncertainties and everything is bouncing around the walls and an expert will be the one to make this call right right i get that so but with that being said i agree um 
there are people out there with a little bit of expendable cash. Not me, but there are some people out there. <laughs> Should people be afraid to invest money in the stock markets or buy a home? Or for that matter, if not the stock market, since it's, you know, the stock market has been tumbling, bonds. So what do you guys think as far as in terms of that? Investment? And guys, uh, guys, perhaps we can answer this question after the, our, our cut, what we can marinate on. Uh, you guys can take your pecking order. <laughs> well, well, you know, uh, I think I think um, Quaco kind of um, he he nailed it in the sense of like he he spoke about you know the the volatility of the markets and how everything is bouncing all over the place. So it's kind of hard to project what direction it's going to take. You know what investments are going to be solid. You know what I mean? Because you know even corporations, you you know they they're even moving around. You know, right? I mean? None so, of them. That's why a lot of them are throwing some money into bonds. Um, a lot of them are bailing out of stocks. And a lot of them even doing foreign currency. You know, yeah, markets all over the place. You know? Yeah, so I get yeah. it. You know? but, but with that also, like, for example, with the stock, like the, the stocks are so low right now, especially in the, uh, in the, you know, like Delta and all these different, you know, companies that, that have, like the, I bought, I bought a lot of stocks. I, I bought a lot of stocks in Moderna when it was like, mm -hmm. what, $6 It's worth $82 right now. So, so the whole thing, people, people I think need to understand that you can lose, but also at this time, if you buy it so cheap, there are opportunities. You can, right. you can make, you can make a big difference. Too. So it's a risk. Yeah, yeah. Mm, I, I have a brother-in-law who would beg to differ, okay? Um, he invests in the market also, but he's been buying all the wrong stocks. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately for him, okay, we, we know which direction that goes. Right. <laughs> but there are, some, there are some opportunities out there in, in right. all segments, including the bonds, including foreign currencies, mm -hmm. uh, including stocks. It's just how you get in the game, and when you get out, right, right. And, and, a, and a big part of it is like he, like um, Quick was expressing, like if you haven't, depends on your experience level. Yes. You know, if, yes. you, know, if you have Absolutely. the experience level, you you know the pros and cons, the pitfalls. You can kind of prepare, and you know you can set yourself. But if you don't know what to expect around the next corner, you don't have the experience in dealing with these matters. It's it, it's it's going to be a little overwhelming. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it could cause you to crash. So, yeah. Stay out the game if you don't know the rules, right? There you go. There you go. There's going to be a lot of um, bankruptcies. Coming. Yeah. A lot. A lot <laughs> coming at you. That's right. A lot. All right. Yeah. Oh, yes. You guys ready? That's going to be a weight on, yes. the, on the banks, too. So <laughs> yeah. here we go. Happens to pick the right stocks at the right time and make out. All right. So with that being said, do you um, do you recommend or do you you know, what is your thought on the matter as far as investing? I'll let Jamie handle that. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, basically, you know, if you're, if you're going to invest, you know, it's, it's a very tricky time. You know, there's a lot of volatility in the markets. So unless you're um, a savvy investor or if you have a great advisor, you know, I wouldn't recommend that you jump in, but you know, like Mr. Best expressed, you can get lucky and you can uh, buy low and potentially sell high. But you know, this market is so unstable, you know, it's really hard to project what turn it's going to take. Mm 
Yeah. So I would say, you know, definitely would be best to be a little conservative in investing, kind of just pay close attention, uh, amass as much capital as possible, and pretty much, you know, look at positioning yourself. So if an opportunity does present itself, you're in ready mode, but don't be impulsive and jump in um, just because, because it's going to be a lot of groups, a lot of um, organizations presenting things to you because they know that people want to make money. So, right. you know, you don't want to get drawn in by a, a scenario like that and it causes you to lose. Okay. Uh, my take on this one is uh, if you have a 401k or one of those plans, just leave it. Don't uh, play with it. It's a safe place, I believe, even though there are a whole lot of um, provisions made on that for you to withdraw with no penalties and spread the taxes over three years. I think if you leave that there, that's great. And I do want to encourage people once again to save and to hold on to their cash because we're still in an unpredictable state. Even we still don't have a vaccine. We still don't know what's going to happen as far as all of that is concerned. Okay. Well, that's, that, now let's take it the other way. All right, we're talking about investing. That, that that assumes that you have money to invest. Okay, well, but let's take it the other way. What if you can't pay your rent? What if uh, you don't have money to feed your family at this point and you're hungry? What can a person like that do? How does he make out? Well, unfortunately, there's there's a lot of people experiencing those those circumstances, and um, there is you know there's a lot of um, you know there's there's different types of support that are, that's developing, but there's nothing uh, there's not a standard in place to outside of the stimulus you know twelve hundred dollars but you know twelve hundred dollars is not gonna take us very far in this world so um, you know you know it's it's very challenging for a lot of people to the I guess the biggest some of the biggest things that they're doing is they're you know they're looking at the creditors they're looking at Con Edison and you know the people that you would be subject to pay bills and they're telling them you guys got to wait you know I mean the, the, you know nobody's you know the economy's upside down now people don't have money so you know there's no evictions and things like that going on when it relates to people that can't pay their rent but the scary thing is that when it's all over you know they'll they'll be subject to to pay their rent and the bills that have been amassed and just like yeah. a lot of people that um, are entering into forbearance agreements with real estate, you know, they enter into these forbearance agreements not knowing that, you know, if you put the property into forbearance for three, four months, you know, after that term is out, you're going to be, you know, obligated to pay that three, four months in a lump sum and then continue with your regular payment. So, you know, it's very difficult and I haven't seen a lot specifically for the individual, more so for the business. Um, they're, like I said, they're, they're, um, you know, they're giving unemployment, they're giving incentive through unemployment, they're giving people a little bit more than they would normally get, and then they're also um, providing people with the stimulus checks, which is, you know, it's, it's a little, but it's not gonna, it's, it's, it's not gonna be enough for people. Yeah, right, it's absolutely. not sustainable, correct. Absolutely. Wendell, I think you have the next question. Well, dude, I actually, I'm curious because uh, talk about how the the market and companies, we don't know where they're going. So uh, companies normally protect themselves sometimes with chapter 11. How does this benefit them? Benefit them, And does this allow them to kind of bounce back? You know what? Have you, you, you're familiar with the chapter 11? Well, well basically, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. I mean, it's pretty much, filing for bankruptcies, but 
as we um, think had that sidebar conversation, right? Uh, you wanna. It's gonna be a lot of legal issues surrounding all of that. Like who is actually going through a real bankruptcy versus who got the stimulus and said, I'm out of here. Let me pocket that. And you know, <laughs> you know, so it's gonna be a tricky one to see who, you know, who can use that and who's not. And I, I believe um there's gonna be a lot of um regulation and follow-ups when it comes to taking that approach but because it is time for it is an opportunity for you know those type of people fraud. to take advantage let's just call it what it is trying to be politically <laughs> correct right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that worked out right yeah. it's the best you the eldest so hit him in the head with a hammer right let's yeah, know yeah, 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 never yeah, let yeah. him see you coming though <laughs> so that works for me man that works all right, so should people be afraid to invest money in the stock markets or buying a home at this point? That's that's a particular question that most investors or people with a, a little extra cash, let's, let's say um, they have a little equity in their homes and they're thinking that this is a good time. Is it? Yes or no? Well, I would say it depends on their, um, their current income situation, you know, would really kind of dictate whether it's a good time or not and their, their job security. Um, you know, but, uh, again, you know, like, uh, Mr. Quicker was expressing that it's, it's, it's a time to kind of sit on, even though you have that equity and you, you know, you're looking and it's like, um, you know, you want to pull it out cause you don't know what's going on. It's best to kind of sit on that asset cause you can always leverage against the asset. There's different creative things you can do with it. So, um, I would say, you know, do, you know, don't touch that because that's your fail safe, <laughs> you, right. know? There you, go. you know, so I, you want to definitely, definitely on sit back on that. You know, um, and it's a, it's a time that, like, you know, you want to be very wise and be very discretionary as far as the way you spend your capital and your reserves. Um, you don't want to definitely um, go into your investments, like um, some um, financial professional, like Mr. Quaker was expressing, like your 401ks, because, um, you know, it's, it, it can hurt you in the long run, you know, so you don't have to always say that way. Right. Well, I've seen people lose their savings accounts. A lot of people seem to think, that this is a good time, you know, to dive in. So they, for all of the money in these little savings accounts, they take it out and invest it. And so a lot of them didn't do good at all. Um, so what do you say to some people who are thinking about, oh, let me just, like Wendell just said, um, he bought low and um, the stocks is high now. So a lot of people are out there willing to take that chance. What do you guys say about that? I would say hold on to your cash. You know, I, I know I've been saying that throughout this conversation, but I believe for myself, there is no right answer to this, by the way, right. as far as I'm concerned. Right. But in my opinion, I would say hold off till you can see clearly again, because everybody is thinking this is an opportunity. But uh, a lot happened after 9-11, as we know. A lot happened then. A lot happened in 2008, and a lot is going to happen now. So those who wait and strategize will find the proper loopholes. You don't 
you don't want to rush and jump in and then all of a sudden there's an opening and there you are. So. I, you, you, know, you know what's interesting that you mentioned loopholes and uh, I'm pretty sure both of you understand a lot about loopholes in terms of taxation and, 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 and all these things. And like one of the things that I'm curious about and it's a little on and off subject, but for example, a company like Amazon that let's say they get, they, hypothetically, they apply for a stimulus package. But then as we know, they haven't paid, be paying taxes, major taxes for four many, so many years. And how does this affect the economy overall for other companies? I mean, you and I are paying our taxes we're paying for them. All the people they hire and they give money to on Friday as paychecks, they deducting that money and, and paying those taxes. So we're, at the end of the day, consumers are the ones that are suffering. You know, the tax system that we have in place now favors business owners. So once again, I will encourage everybody to, who, if you are at one point thinking about it, it shouldn't be a thought anymore. It should be something that you are actually getting into because uh, uh, 2018, when the Tax Cuts Job Acts came into place, it pretty much changed the dynamic for businesses. And it's only going to get better for business owners. You know, it's a 50-50 thing. Where you're looking at it looks as if it's bad for us because these bigger corporations get away without paying taxes but it's also good for those companies to have that cushion so they can employ people in the economy for example during this period amazon is one of those companies that have been hiring i actually got a card in the mail today saying amazon is hiring in um in cataract uh, new jersey you know so I'm not on anybody's side on this, but I would say if I had to choose a side, I would rather be on the side where the taxes are favorable, meaning own a business. I am not a hero. I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero. I'm a veteran. I'm a veteran of the United States Air Force. Army. Navy. Marine Corps. Coast Guard. I wanted a better future. I wanted to go out into the world. To make a difference. I wanted to fight. To stand up. To protect. To bring freedom. To put my life on the line for something bigger than myself. But war sucks. I hate war. War is cruel. War is death. I never knew if I was going to live, if I was ever going to see my family again. My wife. My husband. My daughter. My son. My mother. My father. My brothers. But I kept fighting. And I kept wanting to make things right. That was my dream. My hope to fight, to win. Now I'm back home. I feel alone. Misunderstood. Judged. Misrepresented. Stereotyped. Forgotten. I feel guilty. And some days, nothing happens. Nothing. Nothing. Some days, all hell breaks loose. And I'm right back there. Surviving. Fighting. I can't relate to most people. They want me to be okay. They want to help. I don't want pity. But I appreciate respect. I want to know that I made a difference. I'm not a hero. I'm a veteran. I'm not weak. I'm strong. 
but sometimes I need help. But I will keep fighting. We're back with um, Listen to a Vet on the 13th floor from WBN We Belong Network. First of all, I want to thank the guests um, for being here and the information that you're sharing with us. And we're just going to give you a few minutes to recap and see where else we can go. All right? Because the next show that we're going to have is um, economics in the community for the future. Okay? So, gentlemen, nice. have at it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. First, second, who's? <laughs> Mr. Sanders, oh. I open the door for you first. Okay. Uh, uh, excuse me. The, so, basically, you're asking me what, you know, what, what was your question? I'm sorry. I, it, the uh, question I is, it's a recap. Uh, the yes. economics in the community for the future after we come out of this right well you know I, I you know at the end of the day it's 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 a situation that no one of us has the definitive plan Absolutely. and it's going to take it's going to take a you know collective um you know uh, efforts between all of us you know to bring all our knowledge and expertise um from a accounting perspective from an investment perspective you know, um, you know, even from a social um, science perspective, I mean, because, you know, it, it, it's a, you know, we have to come up with a, a, a tangible plan, you know, that's going to make sense for the community when it relates to um, wealth building and, and, and really building and really getting into legacy building and sustainability. Um, you know, and I tell a lot of my colleagues that um, we have to start paying more attention to you know, technologies and, uh, you know, different areas of science, you know, because yes. um, we're, we're really behind when it comes down to a lot of things, not in our capacity, but just in our exposure, you know. Um, so I think it's going to just take a collective plan. You know, um, you know, we need to understand the numbers. We need to understand the direction of the economy, you know, so that way we can get in alignment with certain interests, you know, like, um, you know, even with like Amazon. You know, just kind of getting the feel of the direction of, of, of these big companies and organizations and not only to get in alignment with them, but also to compete with them, because, you know, that's another way to build out is, you know, give provide an alternative. So, you know, there's different creative things that we that we need to employ. Okay. All right. Um, I think that this period that we have is an opportunity to find ourselves as individuals to gain a new understanding of uh, where we are and where the world is shifting to. Like, what can I learn with all of this? For example, uh, he mentioned technology. Um, technology is actually gonna spearhead the aftermath of this whole crisis. You know, everything prior to this was already shifted to the robots, but the robots were coming but now they're here. A lot of people are gonna continue to lose their jobs because this break once again created an incentive for people to, uh, bigger corporations and employers to determine what they needed and what they didn't need. You know, do we need all these people performing these tasks? Actually, we don't. I have a couple of small business owners that I had a friend that told me uh, he laid off 12 people, but five of them, he just realized he didn't really need. So those are going to be the realities that we have to deal with. And I encourage everybody to take this time out to learn something about yourself. 
Maybe you can pick up a new business opportunity, either online, something geared towards technology or, or something that will benefit you in the future. And I think collectively um, share information with one another. Don't keep it all to yourself so that we can galvanize and move forward to a better place. Right. Yeah. Wendell? Um, I, I have to say that this whole pandemic and the economy is definitely going to evolve us to be efficient. And efficiency doesn't mean that it's always going to be good. It can also be bad. So it's how we use that information we have today to sustain a better life, a quality of life. And we, we don't know that. It's uncertain. But we are the ones that make the difference. Us, the taxpayers, make the difference. We are the ones that put money into the economy. We're the ones that pay government officials. We're the ones that vote for them. So do not underestimate the power that we all have, especially if we're united. And that's our biggest opportunity. This virus should teach us that if we're united, we can get and accomplish bigger things. We can actually create opportunities to compete against monopolies against bigger companies collectively as a society as a community we can grow together and really be invested in human capital to drive businesses not the business to drive human capital out is human capital to drive business in into more success and and create a stronger alliance between business owners and workers because there is a disconnection on that you know we we see a disconnection between the poor and the rich and okay. that's not that's it shouldn't be that way so we should we should learn through this evolution on how to be efficient and create relationships that last for forever okay i happen to have a different spin on it maybe a, a combination of all of it because i look at this as a great opportunity to grow and to learn so education plays a, a vital part in this but we also must understand that the educational system is also being flexible and being changed at this time. That brings me to another point of small businesses. Small businesses is gonna be the, the hump on the camel's back, okay? Um, meaning that we're gonna to have to start carrying the load and we're gonna to have to learn how to grow, all right? We have to put our pieces and our, uh, and our priorities in, in a particular order where we can grow, all right? So, um, even though small businesses remain small, you don't have to. It's about change now, okay? It's about accepting that change and moving forward now, okay? If you, if you wallow in, in, in the mud and, and you like the mud because it's cool and, and because it's wet, then you're going to stay in the mud. You'll never know what the sun feels like if you stay down there. But if you get up out of the mud one time, and find out that the sun is warm and comfortable also, or better still, then you're gonna crave the sun. So same thing with small businesses. Uh, small businesses have to learn growth and they have to learn the formulas to growth. Now, technology happens to be one of our formulas since first of all, we are a, a digital network, all right? We're sitting right on the cusp of where we need to be right now. Okay, now it'll be a shame if we drop the ball. But we have gentlemen like you, three gentlemen here, that's gonna pride us on. 
and that's going to make us a success and that's going to we're going to push for it so we know all the brain trust that we can possibly get to garner the power of success so that's that and this, go ahead I no, I said that's great you know that, that's wonderful oh okay i concur no. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, okay. All right, so do I get a concur from everyone else? Yeah. I was I was gone. I was following. I was gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was all <laughs> intertwined in that way. Yeah, well, it's important, you know, but I agree. For veterans. I, you know. took, I, I took my wallet out already. It's like, where do I put the money on this? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good to me, man. Make That's it rain, Wendell, make it rain, put it everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I Wendell guess. is a high risk investor. Cash ass, whatever. <laughs> We're good. Okay? We're taking all covers, man. But like I said, growth is very, very important. Yes. And I'm looking forward to, you know, growing and coming out. My wife keeps saying to me stuff, but I can't see it. She says, out of the depression, uh, came many new, came what? Oh, came millionaires. That's so true. Because out of all the bad times, it's the people who want to succeed that succeeds, you know? Correct. And all of those people who were hungry went hungry. Okay, they went hungry for a reason. It wasn't because they lacked the resources, they lacked the effort to move on. And we have the effort and we have the brain trust and Wendell and people like him and WBN that's gonna push us forward into the next millennium. And hopefully, um, instead of saying Google it, you're gonna say WBN it. So with that being. I served in the US Army. I served in the Navy. Air Force. Marine Corps. Hoorah. I was a 31 Bravo military police officer. Security forces. 82nd Airborne. Radio operator. SEAL Team One. I was stationed at Camp Anaconda in Iraq. In Afghanistan. Vietnam. My service weapon was an M4 assault rifle. My service weapon was an M16. It's basically the same. You know what? It is the same. As the AR-15. Same weapon that's killed hundreds of people in the deadliest mass shootings in America. I know the power of this weapon firsthand. 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 And there is no reason no reason. No reason why anyone other than military and law enforcement should have an assault weapon like this. I fought for this country. I believe in the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms. But that was created 200 years ago. Guns have changed a lot since then. High-powered, rapid-fire assault rifles like the AR-15 are meant for one thing. One thing. One thing. That's not something I want in my country. My name is Corporal Aiken. My name is Specialist LaHaye. Petty Officer, Second Class Day. Corporal Williams. Sergeant Yen. Airman Batesel. Staff Sergeant Houseman. Corporal Henderson. Staff Sergeant Sason. Corporal De Jesus. Specialist Del. Captain Vernier. Senior Airman Rice. Specialist Parker. Petty Officer Williams. My name is Sergeant Bell, and I support the ban on military-style assault rifles and safer gun laws in this country. Thirteenth floor, and I'm Richard Bess, CEO of WBN, and we have Wendell Solano, 
uh, just to close out, um, I, I'll leave everybody with this, you know, um, and, and I think everybody's pretty much on the same page is that this is a very critical time when we need to pay attention to each other. And like uh, Mr. Solano expressed, Wendell Express, you know, the human capital is really where the true asset is. You know, our brain trust, like Mr. Best expressed, you know, we have to tap into these things. We gotta, you know, understand first our own value, what we can bring. And, um, you know, we have to also work on bettering ourselves, learn a new trade, learn a new skill, like Quaker was expressing. And, um, and you know, just really take the time to self-reflect, you know, and, and reposition yourself mentally and spiritually. You know, um, you know, even from, you know, I, I deal with natural health as well. And one of the things that I fuse in um, my presentations when it comes to health, you know, I, I tell, talk about economics and how that impacts your health. So, you know, just um, like I said, so at the end of the day for me, it's about bringing balance, you know, uh, the financial piece and banking is just one of my tools. I have many tools um, and I have many partners, you know, um, like you great gentlemen at a, um, on this conference. But, um, you know, like I said, this is a very critical time. We have to really bind together, stand together, galvanize ourselves so that way we can create a greater tomorrow. Okay. So I would say this is the time to find the diamond in the rough. Yeah. Um, just go for what's in your heart. Do it well with um, calculation and really good information and ask for advice. Ask a million questions and know where you're going. Uh, last but not the least, I would say save, invest, and be free. All right. All right. I would, um, Mr. Vest, you want me to do the honor of doing the ending statement or would you like to do hey, that? Go ahead. All right. So the ending statement today is the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Today is all about learning how to seek funding and manage our funds to be prepared for what lays ahead. Advice is a great resource, but the application is fundamental to avoid financial disasters. Like any disasters, prevention and preparation are the best medicine. From this experience and what we do with information plays a huge role on how we don't succumb to the unstable wave of today's economy. Creativity is one of God's greatest gifts to us. How we use it in this economy can make a difference. So thank you for being with us tonight and stay tuned for our next show. Good night. Good night. Yeah.